Hello and welcome to another NL full-time podcast. I'm uh, Rob Worrell. I'm back in the chair this week. We've got to give Luke the odd week off. We have been doing this for five years and he's still going to sit down tonight and edit it. So uh, we hope you've had a good afternoon off, Luke. Um, Joining me this week, well, there's three of us in total. Sorry, there's four of us in total. I can't even add up. Um, First but not least, uh, resident North expert, Mr. Dickie Wharton. Uh, good afternoon, Dickie. Yeah, perhaps only resident for a little while longer, given how Telford uh, are yeah. Yeah, yeah, Enjoy it while you can. Telford, about <laughs> 13 points adrift at the bottom of the National League North. We'll come to that in due course. Um, and next up, a more familiar face, not just to us and and, and to listeners as well, because I think it might be the third or even the fourth time he's he's been on now. Um, a very good afternoon to... Uh, uh, Bromley defender Callum Reynolds. Hi, Callum. Afternoon, Rob. Good to see you, bud. Um, and finally, we've got uh, a debutant. He's a debutant on this podcast, but not his own. Um, that's James Lampard, former Dorking player and host of the Talking Wanderers podcast. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that, particularly the episode with Mark a week or two ago. Uh, good afternoon, uh, James. Hi, Rob. Uh, right, let's get on with rounding up the National League action. A quick look back to midweek, um, where the top four all played each other. So we have to have a look at that. And uh, Notts County, well, they purred past uh, Barnet, four goals to one. Um, a little bit reminiscent of some of Dean Brennan's previous goes against the big boys, where, where Barnet conceded a lot of goals. They've um, they've been quite miserly in defence for a while now and on a really, really good run. A couple of goals there for Macaulay Langstaff. And then Wrexham 2, Woking 2. And congratulations to Woking for becoming the first National League side this season to come away from the race course ground with a point. Um, they took the lead. Uh, Wrexham then went 2-1 up and uh, um, Woking got an equaliser to uh, poop the party there. So... That just left Knotts pulling a little bit further away at the top. Elsewhere, there were four draws in the National League on Tuesday night out of the eight matches. Also, Southend beat Halifax, Eastleigh beat Dagenham. And uh, your side, Callum, went up to Altrincham and won there. And that's never a bad result at all, is it? Um, as proven, really, by Ulti bouncing back um, in Saturday's game, which we'll cover in a bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've probably played there maybe four or five times um, and never had an easy game. They've got obviously some good players, the area of the club. They can attract um, players from around there, like ex-league players in particular. And it's actually a second time. We went up on Friday, stayed in the hotel when the original fixture was due to be played. And at about 12 o'clock, just before we were about to set off for the stadium from the hotel, the pitch inspection was called off. So, uh <laughs> yeah, so the trip to Manchester, but no football that time. So yeah, second time round, um, and yeah, it was it was a professional performance. I think from us, we went two goals ahead. Um, they're not bad sides, especially from open play. They don't concede a lot, but we scored from two set pieces. And I think in the analysis we did before the game, a lot of the goals they've conceded in games have been from set pieces. So. Again, something that we kind of knew about before and took full advantage of that, really. So, yeah, good good win um, with, yes, not an easy place to go. Like you said, they bounced straight back there. Um, 
And yeah, it was a good result, which is, feels even better after following it up with a win um, yesterday. Exactly. We'll come to that in just a while. But let's move on then to Saturday's games. And once again, we must really start at the top. And it's great having a National League defender on because he, he can probably guess who I'm, <laughs> who I'm going to ask him about in a minute. Look, the bottom line is they left it late, but both Notts County and Wrexham found a way to pick up the three points again on Saturday. It's ridiculous. They're both on track for 110, 111 points, um, which would smash the current record of 105. Um, you know, and, and so it's it's relentless. It's absolutely relentless. I, I won't entertain anybody who says anything other than it's a, a two-horse race now. that The gap has just got too much. Um, but looking at the games uh, individually, uh, Langstaff, five goals in two home games. Uh, into the 30s for the season um, and, and and quite an outstanding uh, effort from him and it just shows really how tenacious he is, much, much like his uh, striking uh, um, nemesis up at uh, Wrexham, Paul Mullin. And, you know, because that one wasn't done until late and, uh, you know, when it was done, um, you know, still he was hungry for goals and he went on to get his, his hat-trick let me ask you about Macaulay Langstaff first, Callum. Have you come up against him this season? And uh... We have, yeah. We played against him away. Uh, we drew 1-1 at, um, at Meadow Lane. Um, he didn't score against us. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's that great, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, I, think he, I think he rattled the crossbar. He could have scored. Um, he's, just, yeah, he's just a bit of a poacher. He don't like to get too involved, um, but he's got great players that can feed him. You've got Rodriguez, who plays sort of in the hole. You've got, obviously, they've got the wing-backs, Chickson's probably in double figures, I think, for goals this season, let alone assists. Um, yeah, he just wants to score. He's a goal scorer, um, and he's proved that, like you said. I don't even think he's on pens either there. So, to score that many goals from open play without penalties... Um, I mean, any level, it's not easy. But again, I think is this his first, I don't know if his first year at this level. It is. Um, stepping up. I don't know if he was anywhere before Gateshead, but he's um, no, he's obviously doing very well in a good team. Um, but you have to take them chances if they're creating them. So, yeah, he's, um, I mean, I'm quite surprised that he didn't move in January, to be honest, especially with how many he got before the window. But then it depends what kind of offers are coming in. He's at a great club. They play attractive football and he's probably enjoying himself. So, um, so yeah, fair play to him for sticking it. And he's carried on that form, which is always good. You see sometimes players don't get their move in that January and the Ooh, form either goes, whether they've had a bit of a falling out or whatever. But no, he seems to be just carrying on as he was. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll take a closer look at, at the merits of his... Um... Striking nemesis Paul Mullins shortly, but let's just take a look at the uh, Wrexham game as well. And then I wouldn't mind, James, your input as well on, on those strikers and the two teams. I want to kind of assess the merits of what they've got going forward to try and uh, tie up this title. A long way to go, of course. But on then to Wrexham, who, who travelled to uh, the EBB Stadium to take on my team, Aldershot Town. Um, before a ball was kicked, uh, I caught up with a, a, a very familiar face, one that I've, I've I've met and spoken with, I don't know, for about the last eight, nine, ten years now, because as most people know, Wrexham and Aldershot are 
you know, two of the teams that have been in this division the longest. And it's uh, the BBC Wales Welsh commentator, Wayne Phillips. And you'll all be relieved to know we spoke in English. So Wrexham are in town, literally. Um, a real town, this one, not a city. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wrexham are in order shot for uh, the National League fixture. Um, and I'm joined by Wayne Phillips, former Wrexham player, now does the BBC commentary in Welsh. I Is do, that yes, right? Yeah. And I've been saying hello to him, I don't know, at the games uh, here in the race course for seven or eight years now. And we always have a chat. But um, I've, I've grabbed him for a quick word with, with the podcast. Wayne, how does this season feel, say, compared to last? It's certainly different. Um, certainly the last 18 months to two years with what's been going on at the football club. Um, you can't speak highly of no, enough uh, of, of the two owners, uh, the people who work in the background. And then you go onto the, the football side of it and uh, Phil Parkinson has assembled a, a terrific squad of players. He's a little bit more fortunate than the, the previous 10 managers. Mm-hmm. He's been able to do that. And uh, I'm just hoping they can get over the line. Uh, we've been asking the question for 15 years now. They will not have a better chance. But they're up against a very good Notts County team as well who, who are going toe-to-toe with them. Mm. And uh, I think it's going to be like that right until the very uh, last couple of games. I think you're right in terms of recent weeks. Chesterfield have stumbled a little bit and they already had a huge job to make up the gap. And the, the logical thought is that there's no way Notts County and Wrexham will both fall away. So it, it becomes a, a two-horse race for the title. And it's quite a contrasting one. Is there a feeling... At times of irritation that Notts County put up there as the great football inside and, and your Wrexham are the, the more effective, you know, great from set pieces and difficult I, to play against. I think that's a fair point. Um, having seen Notts County myself, um, not, not just when they played against Wrexham, which was a tr- terrific advert for, for the division. Um, one of the best games I've seen in a long time, even though Wrexham uh, got beat on that night. I've seen two or three of the Notts County games live on the television. And they do have some terrific players. Um, but Wrexham have shown as well. You know, they, they have an ugly side to the game. They've got really good. And they can also play as well. Um, players like Elliot Lee uh, has come into the squad, who, who, who again is, is, is a fantastic player for this level. Um, so I think they, they, they both have got their strengths uh, in depth. And um, that's what makes it such a, a difficult uh, league this season between the two of them. And... Um so we talk about the contrast between Notts County and, and, and Wrexham perhaps in their approaches and the way they win games and of course when we get to the real business end of the season when it gets really tight it might be that those, uh, those Wrexham attributes uh, count for more um, but um, what about the other difference I want to talk to you about we all know about Wrexham's incredible home record this season uh, won every game until Ooh. until just the last you know, week, the last game where a, a very creditable working performance got themselves a, a point. Um, is it a different ball game away where you're everybody's cup final every week? Well, I've always felt, even when I played, um, and this is going back quite a number of years now, it, it's never as easy going away from home. Um, your patch, your home ground is your place where, where you feel most comfortable at. It's been brilliant because they've got 10,000 supporters behind them most weeks. And uh, if Wrexham get it right, it's a good play for them to be a good place for them to be playing. They have to earn that right when they go away from home. And I would expect games to become more difficult, as has proven this season. It's never going to be um, like it is at the race course. And without being disrespectful to a lot of the grounds, it's different. Uh, they're, they're different grounds, they're different atmospheres. But they've, they've, done re- they've done reasonably well in recent weeks. I think they've, they've won the last five away from home. 
they've got to grips with it. They're on the run, um, and that's what it takes. You know, if you can, if you, I think good home form is a, is a must if you want to be successful. And then if you build on that with away victories and the odd away points away from home, you won't be too far away at the end of the season. And that's what Wrexham have done. Uh, two games have lost away from home this season at Notts County and at Chesterfield. Mm. Two not bad sides. Exactly. So, um, and, and coming to this ground here, of course, I know this, that, that prior to last season, record, uh, Wrexham's record was wretched here, wasn't it? Um, countless times Aldershot would get the better of this yeah. fixture. But pretty much from Talgate onwards um, it's gone rectum's way obviously we had a couple of goals up in that game when it got abandoned yes. and then came back here and stuck five past Aldershot yeah. last year I've done my homework two two victories in 15 Wrexham have got against Aldershot here um, wow. it's not great it's not a great record but this team is different to, to previous teams who have come here over the last 15 years uh, this team is very good uh, it'll be a big test uh, for Aldershot this afternoon but I'm sure Wrexham will expect a tough game themselves mm. Aldershot coming into the game on the back of the, of the very good performance and, and points against Chesterfield and uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how the game goes not for one minute do I stand here thinking it's going to be a 5 or 6 or 7 nil. you know I would certainly be delighted going back up North Wales tonight with a 1 nil victory um, it would be a ner- nervous 90 minutes but um, that's what it takes if you're going to win leagues you have to grind out victories in, in certain places and this could be one of them games here this afternoon and that was Wayne Phillips and then we moved on to the game um, it was just brilliant I mean Callum you've spent some time at Aldershot and uh, you'll have been there during some good periods but there were often times um, I, I think back to that game against Macclesfield you know when a big crowd comes in um, you know an opportunity for Aldershot to go top of the league. Uh, Will Evans gives away a penalty, gets sent off as well. We lose that game. And 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 it started a reoccurring theme at Aldershot of when there's a really, really big game and a big crowd, it goes horribly wrong and it goes horribly wrong early. And it happened again on Saturday. Mullin stuck away his penalty. It wasn't the best after six minutes. Um, Haji Monoga was only shown a yellow card. He may have been shown a red because it looks as if he did uh, make a save with his hands, even though Ashby Hammond was behind him. Um, Mullin doubled the lead. And then Aldershot hung in there. They got back into it. It was 3-1 at half time. An outrageous effort from Mullin. Where he was he, he was forced away from goal, but he tried a back heel and it flicked up off Corey Jordan, wrong-footed the goalkeeper and went in. But Aldershot wouldn't go away. They came and they came and they came in the second half and they got the, themselves back at 3-2 uh, with a goal from uh, um, Ollie Pendlebury. And uh, then um, right on 90 minutes, Aldershot got a third and it felt deserved. Um, it was an incredible atmosphere in the stadium and it was a flattener for Wrexham who at this point thought they are going to slip seven points behind Notts County. Um, but... Um, it wasn't to be for Aldershot. Um, it was a, an even later winner for Wrexham. Uh, Monoga treated for a head injury, couldn't be back on the pitch for the corner. The corner came in and Sam Dalby did what he did. Um, he's already done within the last week, come off the bench and scored uh, a goal late on to, to wrap up all the points for Wrexham. Um, it was an outstanding game. 4,600 at the EBB. And, you know, Forgetting the teams and the results and everything else as well, um, you know, James, you you watch a lot of football as well. When you get a really big crowd like that, when you get kids coming perhaps for the first time, um, 
they're going to remember games like that and they're going to want to come back, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we went to um, all the shots ground two weeks running, didn't we? And, um, you know, we're a, we're a newish club, so we don't have huge numbers, but you can see that those those grounds will have the um, capacity to to be big and bouncing, you know, when, when teams like Wrexham come to town and some of those other teams that are well-supported and well-followed. So um, I'd imagine the atmosphere would have been good there. I did hear Paul Mullin interviewed afterwards and apparently when when the guy was lining up to take the corner for Wrexham, I'm not sure who it was, whether it was Elliot Lee or someone, they told him that Notts County were winning or something and... Um, that they were going to slip further behind. And then he turned around to him afterwards and said, well, we're winning as well now. So yeah, come back to bite that, bite that particular fan who took the corner. Yeah, I think it was Luke Young who took the, uh, took the corner. I mean, as for Paul Mullin, um, Dickie will know this. There's a long tradition of, of me sometimes having to swallow defeat and go and interview a striker that scored a hat-trick against Aldershot. And well, if there was a dubious goals panel, Mullin would get two yesterday. For me, he deserves a hat-trick, an outrageous effort with that back heel flick. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't get to speak to him uh, on air for the podcast afterwards. We did have a brief chat, but he wasn't allowed to do an interview, which, to be honest, is niggling me. He had to go off and ask permission, and the answer came back, no. Um, you know, So I'm not going to harp on too much about that, but I've never been refused an interview with a player at National League level before. It's a shame. We would have liked to have um, highlighted Paul Mullins' hat-trick and uh, his phenomenal form this season. But I did catch up briefly with uh, one of Aldershot's goal scorers, Jake Hutchinson, who uh, scored in back-to-back home games against Chesterfield and Wrexham this week. Jake, ultimately, defeat's hard to take when you put so much into the game against Wrexham. And despite being 2-0 and 3-1 down, uh, come the 90-minute mark, you were level. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. Obviously, always, uh, conceding late on is always difficult, um, no matter who you're playing against. But when you work so hard to to get a point against arguably the best team in the league, um, yeah, it's really hard to take. Um, just trying to think, your goal brought Aldershot back to 3-2, didn't yeah. it? Um, and it was a different kind of goal to the one you scored in the week against Chesterfield. This one, uh, you had the ball to the right of goal and the angle was quite tight, but somehow you managed to squeeze the shot in. Yeah, um, like I said on a Tuesday night, just making a run run towards the goal. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a tight angle and uh, I managed to squeeze it in at the far post, just head down here, really, nothing to it. Although there are no points to take from the game, are there a lot of positives today? Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of positives. We said in the changing room, it, it shows how far we've come as a team. As we've, we've been in games where we might have gone 2-0 down and folded and it ends 3-4-0 to the other team, but to, to put ourselves back into it twice, three times maybe, um, it shows real like, um, like courage and heart from the team. 16 goals, I think, now at Eastbourne and Aldershot this season. Any 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 targets for you or just as many as you can get? Uh, yeah, I think it's 17. Um, not to... Not to uh, <laughs> but, yeah, um, I, th- I think my target coming here was was to try and get to 20 goals, over 20 goals for uh, for the season. Um, but, yeah, just just take every game as it comes in. If I score, I score. If I don't, hopefully I've done enough to help the team get a result. So that was Jake Hutchinson. Coming back to Mullin then, uh, Callum... Um, I guess you best tell us how you got on against him this season. If you <laughs> he did score, but it was a very dubious penalty given against us at the race course. Um, 
It was a bit of a theme of the day, to be honest. The game was on TV as well. So you've got cameras there with replays. Uh, but the level we're at, we don't obviously get any video assistant referees. Um, so I'm not surprised that teams haven't really come away with anything from that ground this season. Um, but saying that, I've played against the... We played, I think, last year at the race course. Dagenham, we played... Played very well. Um, it was 1-0 Wrexham, Paul Mullin. He's coming on his left foot from about 30 yards and just bent in the top corner. Um, so, yeah, off both feet, he's lethal. Um, and although he takes penalties again, you still got to score him. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he's pretty ruthless with those. So, yeah, it's not a surprise that he's getting goals, though. Top scorer in League 2 by a mile before he did sign. Mm. Um, and again, the way, the, the style they play football, they're going to create chances. Um, and again, he's surrounded by quality players, which mm. is only going to get, help him when he's in those positions. Um, but if he's not scoring more often than not, he's hitting the target, which again, as a good striker, um, you need to do when you get in those positions. So yeah, he's, um, no, he's definitely, again, another top striker in our league. Um, probably not being... Not too sure about who the top scorer in League Two are, but um, if you stick them two players, Langstaff and him, in League Two, wouldn't surprise me if they were top of the standings there as well, um, yeah. the level that they both play at. Absolutely. I mean, so it's a fascinating battle, uh, the battle between the two clubs for the title, the battle between the two strikers for the for the golden boot. And let's just each have our say, and, and I'll include Dickie on that as well. He's seen plenty of both sides this season, if he, if he, if he can rejoin us. Um, the merits of who's going to go on to win this. Now, we all have to be a little bit wary that we probably see both teams a couple of times, you know, up close and personal. And, and that's one of the reasons I want to get James is because I know Dawkins have had very different experiences against Notts County and uh, Wrexham. For me... It's quite simple right now as I look at it. Um, yeah, there's five points and two games in hand. Of course, we'd always rather have the five points, not scanty you've got. But for me, they're both prolific in front of goal, but one of the teams can defend properly. And the other one, on its day, is still very susceptible to um, to goals from open play to set pieces. And so at this point, I'm going to say I'll be surprised if Notts County don't go on to win it. Um, what about you, though, James? Because... Dorking would probably quite like Knots to uh, be title winners, and then you could say you spanked five past them, didn't you, at Meadowbank? Oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't five. We beat them three, three one, didn't we? Yeah, three, we had, yeah, we beat them three one. Three um, one. I was yeah. just going to say Langstaff and um, Mullin haven't scored against us. Virtually everybody else has, but none of those two haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so somehow neither of those two. Ollie Palmer got a hat trick against us. It was. It was earlier in the season, and obviously, and at that point, they were massively reliant on the set pieces and everything, you know, the long throws and stuff. Aaron Hayden scored against us as well. They just, Toza just was taking long throws from everywhere, and everyone was coming up from. And, you know, as um, Callum would have seen yesterday, and, you know, any balls into the box around us and around the goalkeeper and stuff are a threat for, for our defenders. Um, so neither, neither Langstaff, because, um, we did a pretty good job on him that day. It was one of those where everything went right. I think, despite the fact that we beat Noss County, I think they played better football than out of the two. But I think that Wrexham's squad and the, the just the depth and the 
quality of it will probably be enough to get them over the line, I think, win the league. Interesting, yeah. So one vote for each. What about you, uh, Dickie? You've got some interesting thoughts on Wrexham? Yeah, I hope this isn't a casting vote because I think probably, <laughs> certainly Callum's experience would, would count for an awful lot more than mine. Um, yeah, I mean, all Mullins are get out of jail card for Wrexham, as far as I can see. But it, it, it is their own defence that actually puts them in jail so often with the fact that they concede. Um, I, I had to smile a little bit because um, I saw an interview with Hugh Jackman, the actor. He, he has this ongoing rivalry with Ryan Reynolds on social media. And they asked him uh, about whether he would want to own a football club. And he said, well, I wouldn't want to own one. He said, I'd actually like to go further than that. He said, why not actually play? And he said, why not score a goal against Wrexham? And I thought, well, all you need to do is get yourself to the far post at a free kick, Hugh, and you'll probably achieve that because it's Wrexham's Achilles heel. They keep letting in goals that way and have them for 12 months. And, you know, it, it, it baffles me that Phil Parkinson hasn't done something about that. But then I guess when you've got the scoring that they have, he, he, his approach is, well, look, if we concede one that way, we'll go and score two at the other end. Um, it's high risk, isn't it? You know, and it, and it, it, they got burned in that playoff semi-final last year. Um, Notts County are more efficient. They don't concede as many, but you know, that, that uh, they don't, they go about things in a different way. So I seriously, I just don't think I can call it. Fair enough. And Callum, I know, I'm not sure if you've still got one or both teams to play yet. So you might want to be a bit careful with it, but um uh, are you on the fence with this still, or, or or have you got a gut feeling which way it might go? Yeah, we've got we've got them both to play at home still. Um, but it's yeah, like you said, two very strong teams with two different qualities, sets of qualities about them. Um, like you said, the style that Notts County play, um, they know their style. But I think the same with Wrexham; they know what their style is, and it's effective. Uh, um, and I've played in this league long enough to see teams go up that can do both. Um, you see, Forest Green got promoted, and when they did, they played great football. Um, and then when the Lincoln team went up, they were brutally effective, brutally effective in what they did. Um, but I think it seems a long time ago. Um, it's probably showing my age a bit, but I remember when Newcastle were going for the Premier League. And they they were free scoring, but they were outscoring teams. Um, but you, you, I don't think you can do that every week. You need to be able to win one nils and keep clean sheets, especially in the bigger games. Um, but I think it's too difficult. It's too difficult to outscore teams mm. every week. Um, and yeah, you go back to the playoffs last year. The game with Grimsby, I mean, it was great viewing for the neutral, but that's ridiculous to get that kind of scoreline. Um, Diminutive you know. players heading in at the far post, unmarked and stuff like that. It's, it's schoolboy defending, isn't it, sometimes? I mean, that was both teams. Yeah, and I mean, and a lot of games now of Wrexham are on TV, so you do get to see a lot more of it. And it, they do seem to concede quite a lot of set pieces. Again, that's a massive part of the game. There's not a lot of teams that kind of carve carve people open the way that Knox County can. So set pieces are a huge part of the game. And they're obviously they've got great strength in those of the attacking side of it. But yeah, I just I think it's too much to try and outscore teams every week. So you can you can work out my answer from that one. Yeah, no, we get that, I think, Callum. Just a final word on that. So good point, Dickie. The two sides will meet uh on the 10th of April 
Um, we're, you know, that, that could be significant by then. That's near enough to the end of the season. Uh, so we'll wait and see. But we've quite rightly focused in long and hard on those two sides as, uh, you know, this, this podcast. We've got a National League defender. Both their centre forwards have got hat tricks and they've both found a way to win. So, uh, well done to Notts County and Wrexham. Enjoy the roller coaster that is lying ahead still for you guys. Um, in the uh, action behind them for the battle, if you like, for third place, strangely, despite a midweek one-all draw at Aldershot and a second consecutive draw, nil-nil, uh, with Solihull on Saturday, Chesterfield have popped back up to third place. And that's much because... Um, Woking have picked up one point out of six. They went down 3-1 at Altrincham on Saturday. And Barnet have lost back-to-back games for the first time in four months. And they lost by two goals to one to Torquay. We'll have a little bit more of a look at that game when we focus in on the bottom end of the National League shortly. But that brings us nicely to the team that's just nestled into seventh place in that final playoff position. It is a revolving door, places six and seven, as as Callum will know. But Callum, another win um, against Dorking. Of course, you played in it. James, you were there. You watched it. Let's start with you, Callum, the victor. A 2-0 win. Tell us about Saturday's game. I think it was a very professional performance by by Bromley. Um, going into the game, it's, it's care- you've got to be careful. Dorking, they're a dangerous team. Well, we played them away. Um and I'd I'd never played against them before, and obviously I'd seen I'd seen clips even from last year. The playoff final was obviously went right to the wire, um, and we know they like to play football. And uh, we we went down to ten men after about I think half an hour when we played there. Somehow we came up with a win. It just felt like they had about fifteen people attacking every time they got the ball. There's overloads out wide, crosses into the box, um, but obviously as of late. Well, I think they're the second highest in possession and crosses in the box this season. One of the stats, but they, I think, they concede the most goals. Yeah. So there's obviously both sides to it. Um, and on their day, you've seen they've got some great results, but they seem that they're lacking a bit of confidence at the minute. Um, and you can kind of sense that. I think we kind of jumped on that. We started the game really well, restricted them to a really many chances again. Another set piece unlocked the door, um, and then second half, yeah, we just continue to continue to make right decisions in a lot of areas, um, and yeah, once it went to two nil, um, I felt kind of that sort of game over then. Uh, so yeah, it was nice to get back to back wins, and we were undefeated in, I want to say about twelve or thirteen, maybe not undefeated, maybe have one loss in that period, but there's been a lot of draws, um, and from previous experience, draws aren't really enough. Um, especially when he gets to business end of the season. Um, but we've managed to stay sort of in the pack. And yeah, the two back-to-back wins have come at a good time. Um, like you said, it's tight there. There's probably about four or five teams that can change every match day if the results go their way. Um, so yeah, we're just happy to just kind of be sticking in and around it. Um, and then, yeah, with a massive game Tuesday, away at Woking. Oh, that's a big one. So, James, you were there yesterday. Um, some of the reports I've read and, and, and listening to Gary's interview with Mark after the game, certainly Gary felt Dawkins equipped themselves quite well in the first half, but you didn't manage to, to, to get that first goal. No, um, I know what Callum was saying, but we ha- we haven't scored we haven't scored in ages either. The, the goals have dried up as well. So, you know, we 
we're conceding because we have conceded a lot of goals all, all season, but all of a sudden the goals have dried up. You know, we have the two games that all just shot. We didn't score. We didn't score against Bromley. Um, I'm struggling to remember the last time we did score. I think it was when we took the lead against Oldham before we then conceded five. So, um, yeah, the goals have dried up. And um, I completely agree with what Callum said there. There's a there's a lack of confidence. And I think you probably would have just alluded to that, that and, and would have just thought, if we go 1-0 up here, you'll, you'll see the confidence drain out of them. And it did. And you could see that visibly. You could see that the confidence drained out of some of the players when when, when Bromley scored. Because up to that point, it'd been fairly even, although Dan Lincoln did have to make a couple of good saves. Um, but it's, diff- it's, it's difficult, isn't it? We're in this transitional period where we've got players coming back from injury and we've got some new signings, but there's no time to kind of bed them in or gel them in. We need to hit the ground running, really, with those with those players that have come in. And, the, and I think it was right what Mark said afterwards, uh, Rob, as you said there, you know, the... The free-flowing uh, sort of swagger that we had about us last year and earlier this season, you know, even when we were still scoring goals and stuff, um, seems to have gone at the moment as well. There is a real lack of confidence running through the side. Um, and I mean, yeah, the, like Callum said there, the second half, we barely got out of our own half yesterday, to be fair. It's a frustrating time for Talking Wanderers. Mark, listening to him, he's quite philosophical about it at the moment. It does feel they're almost always on the edge of better times, doesn't it? And they do need to be. They need to be on the edge of better times now. Um, not dropped into the bottom four yet, but it, we're one set of fixtures away from that potentially happening. Um, I think they'll bounce back. Um, it's probably easier for me from the outside looking in, James. You probably feel quite tense about where the next goal oh, is. Absolutely, yeah. Is coming. Talking at home on Tuesday night, yeah. As soon as, yeah. soon as we walked out of the Hayes Lane yesterday we were like right got Torquay and they're on the back of beating Barnet so yeah it's it's a it's a feeling that's not familiar for us as Dorking supporters and followers of the club because we've never been in this situation before you know we're normally looking forward to games to to picking up wins again and getting you know another three points especially when it comes around to home matches but anybody playing against us would sense that at the moment that nerviness is running through the side and the supporters as well and if you can get on the front foot early against us um, you know, as you would do in any game against a team that's low on confidence, that's how you'd be um, setting your team up, definitely. Yeah, and, and and as you say, that fixture on Tuesday night, huge. I, I get quite frust- frustrated sometimes because, I mean, Dickie will know and others will know that I'm a massive lover of the Dorking Wanderers story. I got to commentate on the National League South playoff final last year and I've kept in touch with Mark ever since and Literally, apart from when you are playing Aldershot, uh, James, I'm, I'm absolutely rooting for Dorking. I think that Mark and the club has been a breath of fresh air at this level, and I desperately hope that you guys avoid trouble. For Gary Johnson and Torquay, my goodness me, he'll have that game and you guys in his sights because they have direct control now, uh, Torquay, on Tuesday night. If they can go to Dorking and win, they will pull themselves out of the bottom four. Um, looking at that bottom four and the, the results involving the teams on uh, on Saturday, uh, right at the bottom you've got Scunthorpe and Maidstone. Maidstone went down again, 2-0 to an improving Oldham side that look as if they're going to pull themselves away from trouble. And then a terrific win for Jimmy Dean. Um, only his second game in, I think. Um, maybe his third 
uh, a home to Dagenham, a three-two win. I'll come to you, Dickie, on this one because you've obviously, you know, met Jimmy and 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 seen his Peterborough sports side playing in the National League North. Um, a real performance of character there for them, and uh, um, they, they they actually secured the result, if you like, in just beyond ninety minutes. Even though uh, Dagenham pulled one back after that, brilliant three points for Jimmy Dean, Dickie. Yeah, just what they needed. Um, I, I, you know, his first game in charge, uh, they, they lost at home at Barnet, which with, you know, all the feel-good factor that was around the club um, with the takeover at the time was a real disappointment. But I think that will be a big relief to him uh, to get some points on the board. I'm just having a look at how much of the lineup to see um, how many of the players that they brought in um, actually played at the weekend because they have made some, you know, quite wholesale changes. I know Ben Richard Everton, he scored the first goal. He came in. Um, and uh, towards the end of the week, and I know there were some Yeovil fans seemed quite happy that they'd been uh, taken off their hands, but he's uh, made himself very much at home at Scunthorpe with that goal yesterday. And yeah, overcoming a, a, a Dagenham and Redbridge side is no um, mean feat either. So a, a very, very positive result for them yesterday. Absolutely. And just coming back to Torquay, they, they did, as we said, beat uh, Barnet two goals to one. They got an early start uh, with through Aaron Jarvis on Saturday and, just as the teams come out for the second half, Tope Fadahunzi got a second for Torquay. Ryan de Havilland pulled one back with about 12 minutes to go, but uh, Barnett couldn't find their way back into it. So huge three points for Scunthorpe, huge three points for Torquay United uh, as well. Uh, and defeat for Gateshead, who have uh, been sort of keeping their points tally, ticking along nicely of late. But uh, it was defeat to Southend United, who... In all fairness, we should have touched on uh, you know them at the other end, really, because uh, they're in sixth place. Uh, they're still in the playoffs. And Callum, you've been at clubs where there's been issues off the pitch. What a tremendous job Kevin Maher's doing and, and, and his team to keep churning out the wins at Southend, despite turbulence off the pitch, uh, seven-figure debt up in court soon, no security about the future, but uh, a phenomenal effort on the pitch from Southend. Yeah, definitely. I think as I've as I've got more experience and been at more clubs, everyone kind of has their problems. But obviously, Southend's quite publicly, you know what's going on there. Um, whenever we play him, I speak to Darren Curry, who was our manager at Barnet, um, and yeah, it's just he just said he can only focus on the job that he's doing on the pitch. You can't control stuff that's going on upstairs. Um, and yeah, for them to keep going, um, relatively young squad, I think. Um, he's yeah, he's doing a great job there. Like you said, they're still in the playoffs. They're still picking up points amidst the uncertain uncertainty that's going on. Um, and yeah, credit to them because it can't. It, I know it's not easy. Definitely not easy. Um, but again, he must his managerial style must be effective for the boys to not let what's going on off the pitch affect them on it. Um, which can easily be done, especially when there's a lot of pressure coming from above. Um, and not just the pressure, the uncertainty um, for everyone, really. Um, so, yeah, no, fair play to them. And and they're doing it with a, with a bit of style, to be honest, as well. Um, yeah, fair play which, to um, yourself. Um, and just a quick mention for the other games, Eastleigh becoming the masters of the 1-0 win now. Uh, they got a 1-0 win on uh, Saturday against uh, Alan Devonshire's Maidenhead, which uh, which keeps them level on points with the playoffs. And 
Um, final word on the other two games, and I'm going to come back to you, James. Wildstone 3, York City 1, um, and uh, Yeovil, of course, losing 4-1 to Notts County. So we all talk about how there's always a team in midfield, uh, in mid-table, where the bottom drops out of their season and they sink like that. But the good thing for Dorkin, being <laughs> the obvious one of those, is that York City uh, and Maidenhead yeah. um, are, are doing it as well, aren't they? Yeah, I was just going to say that, um, Rob, you were saying about York, but Maidenhead are, are the same. They're kind of in that, they're in that zone as well, aren't they, at the moment, where they don't seem to be getting many points and getting um, getting beat at home and away as well. Um, so, yeah, um, as you said, uh, as Callum said earlier, this it's tight um, in the division and two or three wins can really move you in a, in a significant, uh, you know, position and, and just provide a bit of breathing space. And I think that's what we've got to look towards Tuesday, although then we go to Wrexham next weekend. So <laughs> that might be short-lived. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Dorkin will take it. Uh, the gunslingers will be going up to Wrexham. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll tell them, as, you, as you've all said, just load up at the back stick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, we're going to wrap up the National League action there. I'm going to let Callum get on his way. Callum, thank you, particularly at relatively short notice today for for joining us on the podcast. Always great to catch up with you once or twice a season. Yeah, no, always a pleasure. Um, it makes my job easier when we come on after a win as well. So, excited. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbing it in. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair enough. It, it, it's payback time, Callum, because uh, as much as Aldershot were relatively successful two playoff seasons when you were captain in them, it was nearly always you I pulled after a defeat to, to front up, wasn't it? So uh, Yeah, no, yeah. That's, that comes with the job of territory being a captain. I think, I feel like, yeah, you seem to pick up the, the interviews when you're captain when you don't win. And when the things are going well, you just got to uh, take a back seat. But no, it's, <laughs> it's part, part and parcel of the game. Good stuff. Keep up the good work, Callum. Still an absolute force at this level. Um, yeah, take look after yourself and we'll see you soon. No, I appreciate it. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, guys. OK, before we take a look at the National League North and South, um, James, great to have you on, uh, especially someone else who does a football podcast about football and about a club that plays football at this level. Tell us a little bit more about um, how it came about and how you came to be involved. Uh, talking um, wanderers we're talking about yeah yeah of course um yeah so um at the start of this season when obviously we got promoted to the national league Dorking got promoted and um i go to pretty much all the games home and away when i can um and all of a sudden i i you know i i tweet a lot about Dorking wanderers and things like that and i was getting a lot of followers from other clubs especially after we played oldham uh, up there that day when they just got their new owner and everything. And um, uh, despite a, a valiant comeback, we didn't quite get a point that we probably deserved that afternoon. But I think we showed a lot of people that we could play some quite decent football. And that was when we still had that momentum from going up. And um, and I started getting invited to speak about talking on other people's podcasts. The the Oldham uh, guys, the um, Boundary Park Alert System, their, their podcast, um, I went on that with uh, Matt and Dave and and a few other ones. The Gateshead, the Heat Army one. I went on that one and and I just thought going on all these other ones, but we we haven't got our own one as a club. So thought there was something there that we could do and spoke to a couple of other people at the club and and we decided that we would set one up and and we kind of we wanted to align it with the club itself rather than just sort of be this one that goes out on its own because 
I've done a few others that are, you know, the Chesterfield guys, they said that they've got a club one, but they're the one I went on with the Chesterfield lads was different to the official one. Um, and, um, you know, I don't think we'd have, we'd have enough people to sort of want an unofficial one, but we do, we do an, an official sort of club one talking wanderers. So myself and Gary, who does the commentary and we get together every couple of weeks and do that and we record it and it goes on uh, YouTube, but it goes out on all the other um, podcast hosts on, on Apple and Spotify and Google and everything. And um, we've got five episodes out there at the moment. And the last one had Mark, but we've also, interviewed James McShane and Alfie Rutherford and Mark Beard as well and the ladies manager uh, Lou Cooper so we've been able to get some quite good guests and I think because of the interest in the club they've been quite well received as well and and it's just it's something for the for the fans and Gary and I don't get much out of it but it's just something for the fans to pass the time and they drive into away games and and when when I go to games a lot of people give me feedback and say they really enjoyed the episodes and things like that so yeah it's been good been good for us for the club I think something that Dorking Wanderers sets a fantastic example on, James, is uh, the transparency, really, to the fan. A lot of people tell you, don't they, when you go out and about, that that they love National League football because you can get closer to the club and the players and you can have a chat, etc. And I think that rings true consistently. But at Dorking Wanderers, everybody feels like they know everybody as well because of your podcast, because of a bunch of amateurs. Um, and because Mark embraces, um, you know, media and, and, and uh, you know, communication and knows how vital it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Rob. And I think um, it's quite funny, isn't it, sometimes? You know, when you you know when you see somebody you recognise off the television or something and you, you speak to them because you know who they are and they you think they're going to know you as well, but it's not a two-way <laughs> thing, it's a one-way thing. And I think... I think Mark gets that a lot because people come and watch games. Obviously, haven't seen him on a bunch of amateurs and things like that. And um, and it, you know, he, he's like everybody's best friend, you know. But he'll always <clears throat> say hello to people and and post for photos with people and be friendly and have a little chat with people and stuff. And certainly where I stand at Meadowbank, I, I go around sort of nearish towards the dugouts, and you do get a lot of people that come around there that just want to sort of be and stand near where he is. Um. Which is interesting. It is quite an interesting dynamic on a match day that it's kind of attracts people to come and sort of stand near this guy they've seen on on YouTube and on TikTok and things like that. And it's good. We actually record it um, at where Mark's business is, so <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Who have you got coming yeah. up? I'm sure. I'm sure now he's back. You've got JP nine or JP nineteen in your sights. So uh, yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, we, but actually, I'm going to be um, speaking to, um, because obviously we play Wrexham next weekend, so I'm speaking to Mark Griffiths, the, the Wrexham commentator, um, doing a Zoom with him this afternoon. Um, once I've finished on with you guys, that'll be quite good. Uh, just sort of focus it towards Wrexham as we, we play them next weekend. Um, and um, Gary and I will catch up tomorrow. And there might be some in- quite interesting news coming out of the club as well that we might be sort of enabled to share with people as well so that'll be quite oh cool. there you go well on this a, podcast will be out we've asked to, asked yeah. to do that so that'll be good but yeah it's just it just as you know rob it just depends on people's availability and and how we focus it and who we go for and there's with Dawkins, there's lots of things we don't want to make it too hot top heavy with uh players and things like that which is why we waited a few weeks before we actually spoke to mark as well and wanted to tie that in with anything that was coming out of the club at the time stuff so 
Good yeah. stuff. Well, good luck with the talking podcast. It's yet one more that's on my list that I've got to get round to at some point <laughs> each, week or each week that it comes out. Um, I've already got an alarm set on my phone every Sunday at 7.30 to, to watch the new bunch of amateurs when that one comes <laughs> yeah. out. Right, yeah. let's move on and review uh, the National League South. And, and, and obviously, James, we want to keep you for this because... Course, yeah. the last couple of seasons with Dawkins in the National League South. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ebbsfleet look as if they might have it in their sights now, and they certainly didn't hold back on Saturday when they took on uh, out of form and dangerously close to the relegation uh, positions of uh, Hampton and Richmond. And week in, week out, we talk about two players, Dominic Polian and Rakesh Bingham. Bingham got two on Saturday uh, Polian got three uh, as uh, Ebbsfleet went on to win that one, 6-2. Goals from Roari Donaldson, um, ironically the first one of the game, and, and Shane Dunn weren't enough really for Hampton and Richmond to get anywhere near close to getting anything <laughs> out of it. Just your thoughts really on um, on Bingham and, and Polian, because obviously they both played in that National League South final against Dorking, didn't they? And they are quality players yeah. at this level. That, that could probably step up with ease, couldn't they? Yeah, um, I absolutely take my hat off to Ebbsfleet because they could really have gone away from that playoff final against us last season and felt sorry for themselves. And, and, and you know, players could have looked to have moved on and sort of thought about a new challenge and everything. But to have come out as they have done, you know, played 32, only lost five, as you said, nine, uh, what, nine ahead of Dartford in second, you know, and full credit to him for 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 taking that mindset and everything to use that as a as a way to kick on again this season to to take playoffs and and that you know sort of lottery aspect out of out of it you know and just go to go to win the league. So, but um, they kept the nucleus of their side and added to it with players and and yeah, you know, six um, two home win against Hampton is what you you know a team that are third from bottom, but that's what you want really, isn't it? You just want to get these games out of the way sweep the opposition aside as much as you can and then move on to the next one. And for them, it's just going to be about maintaining that consistency to get them up. Yeah, it's quite possible that in the next few weeks, um, Ebbsfleet will really start marching towards that title. They've got, as I say, an 11-point lead now. It was extended by two points yesterday because Dartford... um, I was going to say Dartford were held to a draw uh, by Braintree and that might be a little bit unfair on Braintree who were at home and who are in seventh place because Dickie... They've had an outstanding season, haven't they, uh, uh, Braintree? And, and and it might be argued possible that uh, Dartford managed to hold Braintree to a draw yesterday. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how many of us, when we did our predictions at the start of the season, thought that Braintree would be um, up towards the playoff positions. I suspect it's, it, it was very few of us. Um, so they've certainly overachieved in terms of our expectations. Um, and yeah, another good result for them. Yeah, Hammond and Waterlooville are in third. They just about managed to keep up the pace. Uh, they took the lead through Callum Keeley and then Evans and Morgan uh, put t- Taunton ahead in that one. But uh, uh, midway through the second half, Mohamedou Fahl equalised and then Sam Matthews came up with a winner in the 90th minute for Haven, which at the very least keeps them uh, hard on the heels of Dartford in second place. In fourth at Oxford City, and a fantastic result for them because Worthing's uh, 
manager has just got the manager of the month and the curse struck, didn't it? Because uh, Oxford City won that one by three goals to nil. Michio, Parker and McEachern got the goals for Oxford City uh, in that one. Colburn <coughs> the fifth, they were held nil-nil by Weymouth. Uh, good result there for uh, Weymouth, who were in a battle, of course, at the other end of the table. And then come Braintree in seventh. And uh, Chelmsford, well, Chelmsford of late have had a few blows. They've got some good players, or they had some good players there, James, didn't they? But one by one, they're moving into the full-time game. At least uh, the most recent was Henry Ochiang, who's, uh, who's joined my club, Aldershot. But, um, yeah, difficult one. We talked earlier on in this podcast about teams who try to outscore others and you can't always be free-scoring. Well, what's really hurt Chelmsford of late is they're very good at keeping clean sheets and they often win by the one goal, don't they? But uh, nobody scored yesterday at the Crabble. Dover nil, uh, Chelmsford nil. Um, And, uh, you know, that's a difficult one uh, for Chelmsford who who are desperately trying to stay close to those playoff places. Yeah, just just looking at that, yeah, I I didn't realise quite how far that Chelmsford had sort of dropped away because they were a real... One of the sort of um, surprise packages, weren't they? I think, especially their, their cup runs and and their league placing, um, and um, Robbie Simpson obviously doing a good job there. But again, it's so tight up and around there, isn't it? With lots mm-hmm. of teams on fifty two points, um, Chelmsford, Braintree, Worthing, St Albans, and uh, going up from eighth to fifth, everybody sitting on the same amount of points. And then, as you say, further down the bottom, Dover. Um, picking up that nil-nil draw and then a few of the others down there that are having disappointing seasons, teams that have always sort of held their own in the National League South, but Hampton mm. and Concord and um, Hungerford at the bottom there, who, who actually had a good result yesterday and have had a few good results recently as well. Yeah. Hungerford beat Hemel 3-0 and Hemel have been in reasonable form. Dulwich Hamlet continue to, to frustrate and disappoint in you know, some of the highest crowds in the National uh, League South. Yeah. And they lost 2-1 at home to Bath City. Uh, Bath took the lead through Scott Wilson. Frankie Raymond levelled from the spot. But Elliot Freer won that one, 90-plus four. A killer blow there, um, struck by Bath against Dulwich Hamnet. The other game I yeah. kept... Sorry, home. Rob, just an interesting fact about that game yesterday. Yeah. In the week, um, two of our Dorking players went out on loan to... Uh, so Jordan Cheadle went to Dulwich and Adam Mechie went to Bath. And then obviously they came up against one another yesterday in the, their first yeah. game at their respective clubs on loan. And they were probably actually facing up against one another because in all likelihood, Mechie might have been on the right wing against Jordan Cheadle at left back for Dulwich. So that would have been quite an it's interesting a great shout. Oh, first thank game you. for them no, playing against one another. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realise those guys. They both, they both, they did both play as well. They did both feature for both teams. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm, I missed that little bit of news. I'm pleased for Adam, who I know personally, and he was on uh, the podcast uh, the other week with us as well. So hopefully, a bit of game time there for those boys, and they'll come back ready to hit the ground running uh, for the fight that lies ahead for for Dorking Wanderers. Um, the the other game I kept a close eye on because Farnborough have been absolutely steamrolling up the league, haven't they? And we kept saying, yeah, they're doing well, but they're too far off the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, you know, second glance at it last week, six points off the playoffs they were and four games in hand because of their FA Cup run. But they came unstuck against one of the other teams chasing a playoff place on Saturday. That was Eastbourne, Borough. It was tight for an hour, but uh, Remy and Pierce. 
scored the goals in the end that uh, kept Eastbourne uh, very, very close to the uh, playoff positions. Uh, just looking at the other games in that league, um, Slough nil, Welling three. Uh, a decent month for um, Slough and, and, and Scotty Davis, break, you know, cutting his teeth in management. But um, Slough and, and Davis were undone by one man on Saturday. George Alexander, he got a hat-trick in the 4th, 34th and 37th minute. So a first half hat-trick for, uh, for him, for Welling. And that was a, a much-needed result because they've really flattered to deceive this season, James, haven't they, Welling? And that does take them up to a more healthy mid-table position. But they've had quite a bit of talent at their disposable at this level of, of, of football, haven't they? And, and they have underachieved, Welling. Yeah, they have, actually. And um, that's quite an interesting... So, uh, George Alexander is um, son of Gary Alexander, former Millwall and Crawley uh, centre-forward, and he's on loan from Bromley. Uh, so he took his goal-scoring boots elsewhere uh, yesterday and got a first-off hat-trick. Yeah. Um, I saw his dad tweeting about it last night, um, about how proud he was of his son. Yeah, so fair play to him. Another one following in their father's footsteps, um, going out and getting some game time at another another club and getting a hat-trick. Good stuff. Um, we'll just look at the final result and just examine things at the bottom end of the table. There was a 2-2 draw between Tunbridge Angels, who are healthily placed, to be honest. I'll still fancy they've got an outside chance of the playoffs, which is incredible for a club of its size. Uh, Two-all draw against Concord Rangers, who are in the mix at the bottom, but they've got a much, much better chance if Mo Betema keeps scoring for him because he did score again. It's great to see Mo back playing every week, scoring the goals again. That's what he's always been about. He did really well when he was first at this level with Braintree. Didn't quite happen for him at Barnet. He had a little bit of a prolific period at Aldershot and then the goals dried up. So well done, Mo. Uh, Aaron Sibia and Greenwich with the goals for Tunbridge and Ricky Modest. The evergreen Ricky Modest uh, with the other goal there yeah. for Concord. And just a final look at the bottom end then of the National League South table. This is how it stands. Hungerford, rock bottom, uh, 24 points. Weymouth, 25. Hampton and Richmond, 26. They've all played 30 games. Just above them, a point more, 27 each and two games in hand, Chippenham and Concord. They'll be hopeful that they can pull a little bit clear with those games in hand. And then a couple of clubs you worry about, really, Chesson and Dulwich, who uh, have got 28 and 32 points, but have played 31 games. Taunton also are on 32 points. And I guess Slough probably in 16th, James, uh, as, as high up as you'd look for teams that might get involved in the relegation positions because there's a four-point gap then to, to Dover in 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting league, isn't it? And a lot of, a lot of them are sort of, um, sort of well-fancied clubs are where you would expect them to be. Um, some of those interesting ones that you pointed out there and Rob, the Tunbridge Concord games, lots of well-known players from sort of Kent area and, and the Essex area with the goals there. Uh, Greenwich, who was at Maidstone, I think, earlier in the season, not for very long and... Ricky Modest, who's played for, I think, most of the clubs in Essex as well, getting a goal for Concord. So, yeah, um, I don't look at a, not a massive amount in the National League South now, but a lot of it is, you know, you still see players that are moving and, you know, Callum Keeley was at Dorking and was at Worthing and then went to Haven as a bit of a Jason Pryor replacement, getting another goal for Haven. So it is good to see some of those players doing well. Uh, James, great to meet you. Great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. 
More than welcome, Rob. Nice to meet you and, and Dickie as well. And um, let's hope that our respective clubs cross paths again and have many more um, battles over the next few years in the National League. Good stuff. Brilliant stuff, James. Take care, buddy. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now we're going to take a look at the National League North. So the curse of the Manager of the Month struck elsewhere, but not in the National League North, where Adam Murray of Fylde won it and uh, went on to steer his side to victory on Saturday. Dickie, tell us all about it and the title race in the National League North. Yeah, the, the the National League North is starting to feel somewhat similar to the race between Wrexham and Notts County in the in uh, the National League itself. In that, to my mind, it looks as if it's between two teams, which is AFC Fylde and Kings Lynn. They've uh, spent the last week bettering the other's result over the course of uh, of, of three games. Uh, Fylde won at Telford last week when Kings Lynn lost at Buxton. Then on Tuesday night. I saw Kingsland beat Telford 3-0 while Fylde were being held 0-0 at Kettering, which was a surprise. Uh, momentum swung back a bit the other way yesterday, however. Uh, Adam Crather scored for Kingsland uh, at home to Gloucester City after half an hour, uh, had them on course for victory. But then National League North Player of the Month for January, Don McHale, he's been terrific for Gloucester City. He equalised just before the hour mark and that game stayed 1-1, which um, would have put Fylde in pole position but at the point that that McHale equalised it was goalless but Mo Fall, another player I know from having had a spell on loan at Telford not the Mo Farleys that haven't in Waterlooville either this one's on loan from West Bromwich Albion he's scored twice for Fylde uh, including an injury time penalty his second goal of the game to give them a 2-0 win and that moves them three points clear at the top now crucially perhaps crucially with the game in hand as well yeah I see what you mean about the uh, similarities one difference, though, is that there's not a big gap of points down to the teams in third and fourth place, particularly third, where Brackley would beg to differ that it's a two-horse race, wouldn't they, Dickie? Yeah, absolutely they would. I mean, I'm, I was speaking to um, the chap who actually locks the ground up at Kings Lynn upon Tuesday night, um, and he reminded me of the fact that the two teams, uh, Kings Lynn and Vald, have actually got to play one another twice uh, in, in what remains of the season. They've not met one another in the league yet. Uh, Kings Lynn actually uh, travel to Fylde next Saturday, the 25th, and then there's the return fixture on Tuesday, 21st of March. So you can look at those and they, at first glance, you might think, well, you know, one, those games could decide the destination of the title. But, Brackley aren't that far behind and if those two games were to finish as draws which is quite conceivable and Brackley were to carry on picking up points they could capitalise on on those two teams cancelling one another out Um, Brackley manager Roger Johnson certainly said in midweek that he felt this team was still in there and fighting for it they had a Fairly comfortable 4-1 win uh, yesterday as well. Uh, they beat Bradford Park Avenue. They did fall behind to a, a Will Longbottom goal, um, but they came back with goals from Levi Amanchi, uh, Sam Smart and Callum Stead. They were both on target in midweek win over Kidderminster Harriers as well. Uh, Martin Woods added a penalty in the 84th minute, but uh, yeah, it was all over by that point really. And Brackley do just still keep picking up the points. Um, and they, they've just got to be, ready and, and, and position themselves for if either of the two teams above do slip up. Yeah, and uh, that's the two teams above. The team below Brackley at Darlington did slip up, didn't they, on uh, Saturday, uh, Dickie, um, against a side whose who's, who's, who's manager uh, you know, uh, is, is right up against it at the other end of the table. 
Yeah, they did. I mean, probably one of the stories of the weekend um, in this game yesterday, Darlington, uh, we're in fourth place. They've, I think they've dropped uh, to about four points back now from, from Brackley in third. Um, and this was an opportunity for them yesterday. They led away at Lamington through a Jacob Hazel goal in the 71st minute. Um, Darlington's away record is terrific. I think they'd won something like seven of their eight last away games and Leamington had gone 16 matches without a victory uh, in the league. They they hadn't, they, in fact, the last time Leamington had won was before the clocks changed. So when Jacob Hazel gave them the lead, it, it did look very much as if this was going to script. But then Kelsey Mooney, a player who's been out for a really, really long time, he suffered an ACL injury last March. The last time I saw him was actually on crutches at the Birmingham Senior Cup final. So it's been a long, arduous road back for him. He equalised in the 84th minute and then a Jack Lane goal in the 90th minute gave Lamington their first win in the league at 17 attempts deprived Darlington of the points um, and yet yeah, just as importantly for Lamington they'd slipped into the bottom four they remain in the bottom four but all of a sudden that gap to the 12, 20th place and being safe is a lot closer for them um, and the terrific story for Mooney. Fantastic stuff and there's a pattern emerging in the National League North and it's late goals isn't it and if we look at the league table the next two clubs down Chester and Scarborough had very late 90-plus goals in their games too. Tell us about those, Dickie. Yeah, they did. I mean, Chester um, did leave it very late indeed. It was the 95th minute when Declan Weeks, um, I think he may have the captaincy at Chester in the absence of uh, George Glendon, who's been out nearly all season. And Weeks has really, um, his partnership with Glendon is a really good blend in the midfield anyway. And he's really stepped up um, his performances in a, in a very young Chester team. Um, not so great for Boston. I think they remain in the bottom four. Um, they did have a, a, a really good win over Darlington last week, which was the, 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 the result that actually broke Darlington's win of seven away games uh, with vic- victory on the trot. Um, but yeah, it doesn't matter how you get it done as long as you get it done. And Chester did do that yesterday. Um Similarly, you mentioned Scarborough. They actually fell victims to a late goal yesterday. They led through Kieran Valeggi away at Spennymoor. Rob Ramshaw equalised before half-time. Michael Coulson, he's such a talisman for Scarborough. He gave them the lead from the penalty spot in the 50th minute. But then Spennymoor had Bobby Faulkner sent off um, in the 76th minute, and it looked as if it were going against them. But a player they've signed uh, quite recently, Connor Shanks, um, he's definitely not pony, and he scored in the 92nd minute to get a point for Spennymoor. Very good, Dickie. You always get a pun or two in there somewhere. Um, Chorley in seventh, hang on to uh, uh, seventh place, much more really down to the misfortune of Kidderminster, but uh, Chorley were held nil-nil at Farsley Celtic, uh, and that point would uh, probably prove to be a little bit more useful to Farsley. But uh, just below them, um, Kidderminster, they've been They've sort of pulled things around a little bit of late, but uh, they lost momentum and they lost the game on Saturday, Dickie. Yeah, I would imagine the next time I see Russ Penny probably won't want to speak to me because I think this point last week, um, we'll be talking about Kidderminster and they picked up some results and were looking like the team that might make a late run for the playoff places. And, and as soon as I declared that one, they got beat at home uh, on Tuesday night by Brackley, two goals to one. Uh, and yeah, they lost 2-0 at home to Banbury yesterday. Goals from Henry Landers uh, and Jack Stevens, one in each half. And that's... a, a 
I saw a little bit of, of Russ Penn's post-match interview. He said um, he felt he'd let uh, the, 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 the fans down. He said he also felt somewhat let down by the players to a certain extent. Um, and yeah, Kidderminster just haven't really been able to get it going so far this season. Um, you know, it is a massive disappointment for them off the back of, you know, the, the the cup run they had last year and the fact that they got into the playoffs. I think expectations were high, um, but it is that expectation that they seem to be labouring under. They certainly do. But look, if you accept that maybe Kidderminster, who before the season started may have been uh, in the discussion about potential title winners. If you accept that they're obviously not going to win the title, the season's not done for them. They're only a couple of points off the playoffs. There's plenty of games left. So they could come again, could uh, Kings Lynn. And look, Dickie, I've avoided it as long as I possibly could. The next team I see in the table are Alfreton. They got a 1-0 home win on Saturday. And compared to all the other... I mean, it was early, wasn't it, against your side, Telford? Yeah, it did. Uh, Telford had a, a fairly good spell in this game, actually, early in the second half. They're indebted to uh, goalkeeper Joe Young, who's on loan from Wolves, uh, for keeping them in the game in the first half. One particularly good save from, from Dale Southwell, how he got to it. I, I'm not entirely sure now, 24 hours later. But uh, yeah, they couldn't make the breakthrough and ultimately they paid the price for not scoring. Jordan Thewlis latching onto a, a Matt Reed flick on, uh, lifting the ball over Young with four minutes left. And um, yeah, that, I'm not sure whether we can use the phrase about the fat lady singing anymore. It might upset a few people's sensibilities, but she's certainly tuning up. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that almost completes the picture in the National League North. A couple of other games to look at. Uh, uh, Blythe against Kettering and and, and Buxton against Southport, Dickie, and they also resulted, didn't they, in uh, one nil wins for the home side? Yeah, they did. An important win for Blythe. Uh, Troy uh, Chiarby, I think is, is how his name is pronounced. He got the winner and a one nil victory over Kettering, which um, I think Kettering might have been eyeing the, 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 the points there to try and pull them further away from danger. But they still remain just above that line uh, and, and Blythe... Um, uh, yeah, they're doing what they can to sort of keep their hopes alive. Uh, Buxton, they've pulled away from danger in, in the last few uh, weeks. I think they had a 1-0 win in midweek where Diego de Girolamo was the goal scorer. I can't remember where they won, but he repeated the trick again yesterday. De Girolamo on target in a 1-0 win at home over Southport. And, and Buxton are starting to click under Craig Elliott now. They're looking like they're getting themselves together and they, they're looking like they'll probably survive quite comfortably. Good stuff, and uh, it would be a miss of us to leave out one other game. I've just spotted Hereford against Curzon. Obviously, managerial change recently, Dickie, um, and uh, it's, it's, it's continued tough times at Edgar Street, isn't it? Uh, and, a, and a away win for Curzon. Yeah, Hereford haven't uh, appointed to, to Josh Gowling's or, or the vacancy created by the departure of Josh Gowling. I actually missed my opportunity to speak to him because he was at the Alfreton Telford game yesterday, but he'd taken off before the final whistle went. Otherwise, I was going to have a quick word with him about what his um, his future plans in the game are. But yeah, Hereford falling to a 2-0 defeat at home yesterday. Hayden Campbell getting Curzon on the mark after just five minutes and then uh, a, a penalty from Sam Walker with 10 minutes to go left on the game um, made that one safe for Curzon Ashton. They're another team who, who've just pulled their socks up at the right time. They've they've started to get themselves together, having been slipping towards the the relegation zone. But uh, yeah, it looks like Hereford are neither going up nor going down, which um, you know for a club with big expectations isn't enough for them. Which is probably why uh, Josh Gowling finds himself out of work. 
Absolutely. Just looking at the bottom end of the National League North, probably from 18th down, I would say, uh, are the teams potentially involved in that. Kettering have 34 points, then Bradford 33, Leamington 32, Farsley 32, Boston um, 30, Blythe 30, and then Dickie, your side, Telford. And I don't want to prolong the pain, but I put it to you. Uh, 19 points only, so 11 points off the place above you, 13 points off of safety, and having played 33 games, more than anybody else, I think, in the division, just uh, 13 games left for Telford, um, and sooner or later, um, you get the feeling that somebody at the club is going to have to say, let's start preparing for life in the Northern Premier League. Yeah, or potentially the the Southern Premier Central as well, depending on on how things go. I mean, it, it's we we're very close to that line. Um, I think the next three games are massive for Telford. They've got Leamington, um, uh, who managed to get themselves out of the bottom four. I, I thought that was uh, that they were still in, but they climbed out on goal difference. I think they've got Leamington at home on Tuesday. Um, they entertain Blythe, who are in twenty third next Saturday, and then they go to Farsley. On the uh, following Saturday, there in twenty-first place, you would have to say if Telford can't pick up at, at least, least two wins out of those three, and and ideally you're kind of looking for all three, um, then you know their chances of digging themselves out of that situation then are, are very very difficult indeed. Given that you know they've still got to go to, away to some of the teams who are up towards the top of the table, like Brackley, it, it's looking very bleak indeed. It's looking bleak, but as you say, you know, there's always hope in football. And if you do go and stick three wins back to back, you'll very much give yourself a fighting chance in the remainder of the season. But uh, we'll see how Telford fare over the coming weeks in those uh, three uh, relegation six-pointers. If only they were worth six points, Dickie, and you could pick up 18 You'd be laughing, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think one of our own players actually referred to one of them recently as he said, this is almost a nine-pointer, you know, as in it's bigger than six. So, uh, yeah, it, we really are up against it. But, yeah, you just got to give it everything you got. Yeah, and a math lesson for him. Vicky, <laughs> <laughs> great to have you on as uh, always. That's it for this week. Uh, it's been a pleasure hosting the podcast in the absence of Luke today, and thank you very much indeed to our guests, Callum Reynolds and to James Lampard and to our regular um, Dickie Wharton as well. Lots of games coming up in midweek. Um, you don't really want Liverpool and Real Madrid, do you? You want Dorkin against Torquay or uh, Bromley against Woking. There's some crackers. We'll speak to you again real soon.